And joining us here in the studio for the news briefing is t r e m i r a Good morning to you. Good morning, Henry. So we're going to begin with COVID-19. Now, uh, we have seen worryingly uh, an uptick in the cases up to more than 200 for the past two days. Judging by the 9 p.m. numbers uh, last night, it looks like we'll be a mm-hmm. little bit below that, maybe in the 500s. And uh, you'll give us some updates on the numbers themselves. But we have some good news to report on this. And this is really maybe uh, in contrast to Japan and the mm-hmm. problems that they've had. But uh, there is a company in Korea that has succeeded in developing and mass producing those special syringes, syringes that are needed to uh, get more doses from these COVID-19 vaccine vials. Could you tell us more? Sure. The company that is behind the development of these special syringes called Low Dead Space Syringes is Punglim Pharmatech, which is based in Gunsan, uh, North Jeolla province. Compared to conventional syringes that typically produce an average of 84 microliters of waste after use, these syringes made by Punglim can minimize the amount of vaccine left in the syringe to 4 microliters by reducing space between the needle and the plunger. So by using this syringe, we can extract six doses from a single vial instead of the usual five doses. That means the efficiency can be improved by 20%, which has the same effect as producing 20% more. And these special syringes received approval approval from the U.S. uh, Food and Drug Administration on Wednesday. And countries around the world are scrambling for these syringes. And sources said that more than 20 countries, including Japan, have made requests to buy the products. Right. So very much a success story and something that uh, we have to uh, give some praise for. But really, um, and we should praise this company for being able to develop this technology and Mm -hmm. to get these uh, syringes to the market. But it is also noteworthy that this was made successfully um, possible because of the cooperation, uh, not just with Pungnim, but also uh, between a large chebel and the government itself. That's right. Behind the success of the development, uh, there was full support from the government and a large company. As part of a project to help small and medium-sized companies build smart factories, the government offered a total of 111.6 billion won to 2,620 SMEs from 2018 to 2020. And this year, it has also allocated additional 25 billion won for the project. And Pungnim has received support not only from the government, but also from Samsung Electronics. The company uh, initiated research and development for these special syringes in 2016, but it had difficulties in establishing a mass production facility. So Samsung Electronics came in to help. It deployed 30 or more manufacturing experts of its own in December last year to Pungnim to support its mass production. And it took only four days for them to complete development of a prototype at factories of Samsung Electronics partners in Kumi and Gwangju. And with this help from Samsung Electronics, Pungnim can expand its output capacity from just 3 million uh, per month to 10 million. And once it completes uh, construction of its new plant in March, the capacity will be bumped up to 20 million. And Pungnim said it will provide 127,000 syringes free of charge to be used for the country's vaccination that is scheduled to roll out on February 26th.
Right. So that is a service to the nation to make mm-hmm. sure that the uh, inoculation programs can uh, get underway smoothly. But also they, they can also expect now a, a great amount of demand from other countries around the world that need these syringes and aren't able to produce them on their own. So overall, as we say, uh, a great success by p u n g i m But you mentioned the uh, cooperation between the government. The government really providing that much needed capital in the initial stages mm-hmm. of R&D and developing products, innovative products like this. But then there's the issue of scale where they might have this great product, but because they don't have the infrastructure in Mm -hmm. place, they don't have the ability to be able to mass produce this and get it to the market in a quick and efficient way. And that is where Samsung Electronics steps in. Mm -hmm. I know that there are sometimes polarizing views of Samsung and their role and their benefit to society. But in this one case, uh, we see that there is An advantage if Samsung is a uh, cooperative partner in all Mm -hmm. of these things. From a political point of view, there might be some people who are not following politics and wondering why Park Yong-sun is sort of the front runner in the race for Seoul, especially on the ruling party side. It is because of her role as the uh, former SME's minister. A lot of Uh praise given to her for really facilitating a lot of the government funding that comes in and trying to embolden a lot of these small and medium-sized businesses who have the ability to be more innovative and be more nimble on their feet than these big tables and get these kind of great products to market. And she's bringing those same policies uh, to the debate stage in terms of proposals as what she would do as sole mayor. And Mm -hmm. that's why we see that um, we've seen an uptick in her support and why uh, she seems to be leading the race right now. So um, we'll talk more a little bit about the uh, sole mayoral race uh, when it comes to some of these other candidates. But let's, as we promised, uh, take a look at the uh, COVID-19 numbers. A bit concerning again that the uh, daily new infections have spiked up. It's been less than a week, though, since we eased the social distancing measures. Maybe um, the government has to consider a little bit of Mm -hmm. a backtrack on that. We'll see. But uh, give us the numbers uh, with the latest COVID-19 update, please. Yes. uh, Last week and just after after the Lunar New Year holiday, we saw the number of daily new cases down to the 200 and 300 range. But unfortunately, the number jumped to the 600 range for the past two days, mainly due to the cluster infections from industrial workplaces. The number of new COVID-19 cases was 621 yesterday, including 590 locally transmitted cases, raising the total to 85,567. The death toll was up to 1,544 as the country added six more deaths yesterday. This latest uptick is mainly driven by a series of infections at workplace, uh, workplaces, including a plastic factory in Namyangju and boiler factory in Asan, as well as some hospitals. Fortunately, uh, the number of new cases as of 9 p.m. yesterday was uh, 495, uh, which is 69 fewer than the number reported at the same time on Wednesday. So uh, there is a good chance that today's number would uh, fall below uh, 600. Yeah, so that is good news. And although we're very concerned about these numbers uh, going into the 600s, maybe one silver lining of this is that we seem to know the majority of where the increases Mm -hmm. are coming from. These large cluster infections in these factories, the question is, is... 
are they able to get the contact tracing to really keep the infections kind of isolated to those events and also try to prevent more of these cluster infections from occurring going forward uh, to these uh, kind of factory workplaces, dense areas where people working in. Uh, largely attributed, it appears, to uh, the workers there um, gathering during yeah. the Lunar New Year's holidays, mm-hmm. and that seems to be the cause of the spread. And so um, that is probably one of the major aftermaths of what we had been fearing yeah. uh, post s o l a Okay. Let's talk about uh, the Seoul mayoral race then. We've got the ruling party candidates, Park Young-sun and Woo Sang-ho. We've got uh, a bunch of the, uh, the People Power Party candidates, um, um, namely led by Na Kyung-won and the former mayor Oh Se-hoon. But we have this sort of so-called third zone or third wave mm-hmm. or uh, uh, kind of what they may be styling themselves as the, the moderate grouping of people. And we have two candidates in that race. Uh, the big, um, I suppose, figure would be An Chol-su, and then we have his challenger, Kum Tae-seop. They agreed to form an alliance to try to consolidate their end of the candidacy. And after a lot of dispute and arguing and bickering, they finally did come to an agreement to hold a TV debate mm-hmm. that occurred yesterday. Uh, there's so many debates going on. I'm, I'm not sure how many people really focused on this specific debate. But some criticisms coming out that... Really, they do not seem to be offering anything different from the uh, conservative party because all they're doing is bashing the president and bashing the ruling party, but not really coming up with any solutions on their own and differentiating themselves as to why they would be better than, of course, the ruling party and the the government. But also, why are they different from the opposition? That's right. Both of the two politicians spent most of the time in their TV debate on criticizing the government and the ruling party. In his opening statement, An c h e o l s u said he would talk in detail about what the current Moon Jae-in administration has done wrong and how to fix it. He said the incumbent administration can be summed up in two words, incompetence and hypocrisy. And Kum Tae-seop also said during his opening statements that he is the candidate that the ruling party is afraid of the most and who can uh, clearly reveal the failings of the current government. And regarding the real estate issue, the two candidates also focused on criticizing policy failures of the administration but didn't talk much about how to address the problem. And Ahn said the public has lost trust in the current government that has only benefited those in power from the surging housing prices. And Kum said the government's real estate policy is fundamentally flawed because it is just focusing on clamping down on speculation. Kum also attacked Ahn t e s u pointing out his lack of communication. But Ahn said uh, he has been walking down a difficult path and lost some in the middle, but that he doesn't, um, he doesn't hold a grudge against them, and he keeps reflecting on the past to move forward. Right. And so Ahn t e s u and Kum t e s u they have a long history together. When Ahn t e s u emerged into politics over a decade ago, He was uh, largely helped by uh, Kum Tae-seop, who mm-hmm. was one of his chief aides and really was a, a loyal supporter until they had a little bit of a falling out. Yeah. And uh, Kum Tae-seop decided to stay within the Democratic Party while An c h u s u did his usual thing, which was bolting and, and forming his own thing and then kind of uh, mm-hmm. burning bridges along the way. Uh, so they, they were not on good terms for a while. They have now decided to form this kind of shaky alliance, at least with unifying this uh, third zone candidacy. But... 
couple things stand out here is that I think for a lot of our younger listeners who haven't or don't care about politics at all, you'll think of the name An Chol Su and you go, oh, wow, yeah, the, the very famous politician, the, the guy who mm-hmm. um, was a former medical doctor, very smart. Uh, he started this uh, uh, virus, antivirus company, and so it seems like a very, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. capable figure. Uh, what they do not know, maybe, is that um, he is notoriously considered to be a very bad debater. Uh, (laughs) He's had numerous uh, debate Mm -hmm. uh, performances over the years that have not worked out well for Mm -hmm. him. And so it seems like one of the things you hear from the other candidates, whether it's the ruling party candidates or the uh, conservative opposition candidates, is he might be pretty high in the polls right now, but let's wait until we get him onto the debate stage because we know um, that Mm -hmm. we're going to have definitely an advantage there. So come this up, kind of showing... trying to kind of demonstrate that because he is maybe a little bit more quicker on his feet with the words. But with Kim Tae-seo, it kind of illustrates the fact why he is so disliked, uh, considered such a traitor in the ruling party Mm -hmm. circles, is that he has a thing where he keeps criticizing the president, the ruling party, and the government. But this idea where in politics they call it hoshinbaran, right? Like you're in the inside and you're brave to criticize the inside, um, you know, work the flaws of your own party. The counter-criticism against him is that that's fine, you can do that. But Mm -hmm. he has never ever, what the the accusation is, ever criticized the opposition at at the same time. So it's like you can criticize our party and all that. But why don't you also point out the fact that the opposition is doing something bad Mm -hmm. and maybe even worse things. And so uh, he's trying to position that uh, where he's kind of be this moderate candidate. But if he's really only going after one side, is he really any different from the conservative candidates? So why should we go pick you? We should just pick the conservative candidate Mm -hmm. because, again, there's no differentiation there. Mm -hmm. They're going to try to consolidate this and then we'll figure out how they consolidate with the conservatives uh, going forward. But again, very interesting developments in the uh, mayoral race. Let's turn to another big political issue that's become a bit of a scandal, maybe a big scandal, uh, as more and more details come out. The National Intelligence Service has been under fire for this alleged illegal surveillance of politicians and other social figures during the former Lee Myung-bak administration. Uh, there are some documents now regarding this issue that have been revealed. And some of the victims, and there are a lot of victims here, Mm -hmm. are considering bringing criminal charges and filing a compensation claim. Yes, that's right. A minor opposition Justice Party lawmaker, Baejin-kyo, revealed a 14-page document that was allegedly written by the NIS in 2011, which named 32 leaders of the local governments belonging to the then-opposition liberal parties who argued against policies of the conservative Lee Myung-bak administration, and some of them were even identified as pro-North in the document. And lawmaker Bae Jin-kyo himself was one of the victims. He held a press conference at the National Assembly yesterday and said he is willing to file a criminal charge as well as a damage suit uh, jointly with the 32 lawmakers mentioned in the document. The 14-page document was divided into two sections. The main content included detailed analysis on the 32 lawmakers who opposed the government policies and described those who opposed to the Lee Myung-bak administration as red element, and they damages the national interest, so they need to be controlled. 
The appendix stated some specific cases and personal affairs of the local government heads. The Justice Party convened an emergency meeting yesterday and decided to ask the NIS to release additional information. Right, and so there are more documents. This is just what's been uncovered and what's been allowed to be released. Mm. But uh, the NIS says uh, there are more documents. They cannot release it for for, uh, security classified reasons as well as um, some reasons under the law. But... The uh, NIS director right now who brought this to the public's attention, Park Ji-won, has said if the National Assembly passes a law, a special law that uh, mandates the release of these documents, that uh-huh, they would yeah. cooperate and do so. So it does look like in the next few weeks, there are going to actually be more bombshell allegations uh, coming out and even potentially not just from the MB administration, but this uh, program uh, extending into the uh, mm. former Park Geun-hye administration as well. So we certainly should uh, keep our eyes on that. Education policy next, Amida. These um, so-called autonomous private high schools, at least two of them, scored a very major uh, court victory, reclaiming their status as elite high schools uh, by winning the lawsuit against the Seoul uh, Education Office. Yes, the Seoul Administrative Court ruled yesterday that it was illegal for the Seoul Metropolitan Office of Education to decide to cancel the licenses of the two elite schools, Sewa and Baekje High School, in July 2019. The lawsuit was filed by the two schools after the Seoul Education Office decided to revoke the licenses of eight private schools due to their failures to achieve uh, the required score on the performance evaluation, and the Education Ministry later approved the decision. The schools complained that the evaluation criteria were distorted to help the government achieve its goal to abolish the so-called um, autonomous private high schools, or 자사고. Mm-hmm. The government has been pushing to repeal the elite schools and turn them into ordinary schools by 2025. But the education ministry maintained that the criteria were made after careful deliberation and the schools had been fully informed. The other six schools also filed lawsuits and they're waiting for the court ruling on their own lawsuits. The two schools welcomed the ruling, but the education office of Seoul expressed uh, deep regret and concern. It said it plans to file an appeal. Right, and so it will likely go all the way to the Supreme Court uh, if uh, once the appeals court process Mm -hmm. is done, uh, one side or the other is not satisfied with that verdict, uh, they will appeal it all the way to the Supreme Court. What that means is that it's going to take a lot of time to sort this through. And regardless of if you support um, doing away with the uh, special status or you um, you just don't like this practice, uh, the problem is for a lot of these kids, rightly or wrongly, and they want to get into these schools, it's a bit of a kind of uncertain, confusing period mm-hmm. because if you apply, you don't really know what the status of that school yeah. is going to be, and that might have been a motivating uh, factor in, in order to do so. Let's turn to our final story, some international news now. This is really a horrific situation in the United States. Texas, you normally think of this uh, desert or very, very Mm -hmm. hot state. It is going through a really big problem with a cold freeze. They're facing an unprecedented energy crisis because of that freezing weather, forcing oil refineries, gas pipelines to shut down. And not just the victims there, but uh, some concerns of the global oil markets. That's right. The unprecedented cold snap has killed more than 21 people and left 
almost 4 million homes and businesses without power in Texas. The state's power generation capacity has been down by 40% because of uh, because the authority has forced 185 power generating units to shut down to keep demand below supply as power demand is skyrocketing amid this freezing weather. Because of the extreme weather, the price of electricity soared about 3,500% to hit the $9,000 cap, while natural gas spot prices breached the $1,000 mark more than 100 times their level just a week earlier. And overall, oil production in the United States has also plunged by 40% and natural gas output hit the lowest level since 2017. And this energy crisis could lead to uh, oil price hikes in the global market because Texas is one of the world's biggest oil producing centers. And Bloomberg said uh, restarting oil and gas wells close by extreme cold is not easy Even the ice thaws and power is restored. Big worries there. Mm -hmm. Mita, as always, thank you so much. Hope you have a great weekend. Talk to you next week. Thank you.